The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This podcast covers cold cases, which means there will be talk of murder, suicide, missing persons, mental illness, and many other sensitive subjects involved with true crime. Listener discretion is advised. A teenager from Tumwater woke up one morning, told his grandmother he had an epiphany, and then seemingly vanished off the face of the earth. He left behind his phone and wallet, and soon his car was spotted several times on I-5, sometimes parked on the side of the road, but eventually drifting across several lanes of traffic. On this episode of Washed Away, I'm going to tell you about one of the strangest missing persons cases that Washington State has seen in a long time. What happened to Logan Schindelman? plan that's the that's the uh goal is to figure out you know if he's out there or where he's at if something happened to him and who's responsible you know that's the biggest one is who's responsible but then being able to bring logan home logan was born on june 27th 1996 and was only 19 years old when he went missing back in 2016 family members described logan as quiet and sensitive he was about six feet tall mixed race and usually kept his hair really short, like a buzz cut. He was a star athlete in high school, and he briefly attended Washington State University. At the time of his disappearance, he was living with his grandmother and half-sister in Tumwater, which is only a couple hours away from where James Basinger lives. He's the host of a podcast called Hide and Seek, and for season two, he's been investigating Logan's disappearance. For season one, he covered Nancy Moyer's disappearance, which you heard about on the last episode. I felt with Logan's case, I wanted to try to focus on a male this time um, because I think it it opens up kind of like a, a different can of worms. You're dealing with the same mystery. It's the same type of trying to figure out, you know, what happened to this individual. But when you're dealing with a male like Logan, who was 19 years old and a fit young male, good looking, I, you know, it has a different type of uh, mystery to it at times that you have to kind of filter through. Obviously, with the way he went missing and his car being abandoned on I-5 was very just, I took an interest into that, obviously, with just how bizarre it is, right? On May 20th, 2016, several witnesses reported seeing either Logan or his car on I-5. First, a caller spotted Logan and two white men standing by Logan's car, which at the time was parked along the shoulder of southbound I-5. This was near exit 95. The hood was up, so it was assumed they were having car trouble. Later that day, three more callers reported seeing Logan's car on I-5, but this time it was drifting across several lanes of traffic, with no one in the driver's seat. 
Another caller claims to have seen a white man jump out of the passenger side of the car and run into the woods. Eventually, the car, a black 90s Chrysler Sebring, hit the concrete median and came to a stop. When the car was recovered, it still had gas in it and was running just fine. Logan's driver's license, wallet, and cell phone were all still inside, but he was nowhere to be found. A sketch was eventually released of one of the men spotted near Logan's vehicle, but it isn't much to look at. It's just a really rough pen sketch, I guess. Could be anybody. I mentioned that the men spotted near Logan's vehicle were white because we know those men weren't Logan. Again, he was mixed race, with black hair, brown eyes, and a normally shaved head. The men spotted near the vehicle were white men with long hair. Those two men that weren't Logan, they've never been found or identified, right? No, never been, never been found or identified. Um, the sketch is of the male who was standing near the driver's side door. He's got a very, very unique uh, look to him, is what the witness said when she, we were talking. She said, think of Lloyd Christmas from Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> she said that's the haircut he had, and, but he had a strange outfit on, which was like a shirt that was a little short on him, so you could see some stomach, and he had some capris on. It was just a different you know, style, I guess, but it, she said that's why he stuck out. He stood out to me. The sighting saying that like there's no one in the car and so, like, someone sent the car just, like, across a few lanes. I just, I can't make sense of that at all unless it was an accident. Because, I mean, it could have hit another car, could have hit a person. Like, you're drawing so much attention to that car. Right. And if you're doing something nefarious in the woods nearby, like, I don't understand why you would do it. Yeah, no, it, it doesn't make sense, right? If you're, if you're trying to get away with something, why would you draw more attention to yourself and possibly even injure yourself? You know, you being in Logan's car or seeing near Logan's car in an accident with Logan's car, you know, the first thing people are going to do is come and question you, why do you have his car once he's been reported missing? But that's why, to me, I'm just like, I don't think that the car rolling into traffic was on purpose. I think it, it, was, some, it was an error by whoever's responsible. But yeah, you have one testimony of, two, you know, two callers who say, we didn't see anybody in the car. And then you got on the opposite side of I-5 going north. You have a truck driver who says, yeah, I saw a white male jump out of the car, run across lanes. And it's, what's odd is he said that he didn't jump out of the driver's side door. He says he jumped out of the passenger side door. The whole car scenario truly is the most bizarre part of Logan's case for me. There's so many questions. Who were these men? Why haven't they come forward? What was going on? What happened with the car? Was it an accident or did they send it flying across a few lanes of I-5 as some sort of diversion and if it was a diversion, from what? If those unidentified men did something to Logan, why? What was the motive? If it was a robbery or a carjacking, why leave his wallet or phone behind? And if the men intended to harm Logan, again, why would you draw so much attention to yourself with the car? Something that I learned while researching this case is that the area Logan lived in has been known to have a lot of issues with drugs. If you Google Tumwater drug bust, here are just a few of the articles that'll pop up. Narcotics Task Force seizes 30 pounds of meth in Tumwater. Searches in Tumwater and Rochester turn up $54,000 worth of drugs. Three arrested in Tumwater and Olympia for heroin, meth, and cocaine operations. Is it possible that drugs were a motive in Logan's disappearance? Honestly, I haven't found any evidence to support that. And the only drug reported to be used by Logan 
was marijuana, which became legal in Washington state in 2012, four years before Logan went missing. And all of those articles I mentioned, they were for much harder drugs than weed. Logan's been gone now for almost five years, which will make his case an official no-body homicide, something I talked about a bit on the Nancy Moyer episode. But hitting a certain date doesn't actually make that so. The detectives actually have to be the ones to make that call. From the first season, I learned that they don't DNA test unless it's been categorized as a crime. And mm-hmm. the missing person isn't a crime yet. So like Nancy's case, we, did, we dealt with in season one. With Logan's case in season two, the period of time that needs to go by before they can title a case a nobody homicide needs to be five years. So once you get to that five-year mark, um, obviously with no bank activity, nothing uh, showing that there's a possibility that you're alive, they will then determine and recategorize your case as a nobody homicide. That's when they can start the DNA testing. With Logan's car, the only thing that they did was just take latent prints, um, which they came back with nothing when they dusted for prints. Yeah. They, I know Jenny still has a car, but it's been driven by other family members at this point. I don't know if it would just, I don't know if they would get anything from it. Um, even if they found something of his in there, it was his car, could have, even if it was blood, for example. So whether Frawley, Detective Frawley choose, chooses to do so, I don't know. I want him to, so we can start, you know, take, because there's another level of resources that you can use once it's been declared a nobody homicide. James mentioned a couple names that I haven't quite explained yet. Frawley is Detective Frank Frawley, who works for Thurston County Sheriff's Office, and he's responsible for Logan's case. Frawley has stated that, quote, I have no reason to believe he's been killed, and I have no reason to believe he's alive, end quote. Talking about Logan, of course. So we'll have to wait and see what he decides in May when this case hits the five-year mark. Ginny is Logan's grandmother. She's the one who reported him missing, and he was living with her at the time. Logan had a complicated relationship with some of his family and grew up not knowing his father, though he had begun reaching out to his paternal relatives not long before he went missing. Ginny waited a little longer than what most people probably would to report Logan missing because she thought he was with his mom, who Ginny doesn't have a relationship with. When she last saw her grandson, it was in the morning before work on May 19th, and he told her that he had an epiphany. Logan's grandma said that he had an epiphany the last time that she spoke to him. What do you think he meant by that? I know he had some weird family stuff going on, and he had left school not too long ago. I don't know. Do you give a lot of weight to that? It's hard, because I I, I think that he was honestly going, you know, take the take his disappearance out of it. I still think that he was going through things and trying to figure out who he was. You know, he, he, his dad was never really involved in his life. He'd had some sort of bad um, experience at a party where he felt like his friends weren't there for him. And, you know, he was 19 at the time. I mean, like, like a lot of 19 year olds, you can try to figure out where you're going in life. And he didn't come from a house where you would find, you would call it normal. He was being raised by grandma. Mom also lives not far from there, but why, you know, why doesn't he live with mom or why isn't my dad here? And I think he was just going through some things and religion was one of them. So I think the, the epiphany part, the conversation he has, I think it had a little bit more to do with Logan just trying to figure himself out. Maybe some things dawned on him where he felt like he, he had a better understanding about who he was. And, and, and you know, the epiphany could 
could be could be could have to do with something when it comes you know when it comes to his disappearance and possibly him what if he was getting involved with something where he felt like this is the path of life I want I'm taking my life down I'm realizing it now um but anything that's connected to him committing suicide I don't think that conversation has anything to do with it uh, or that it's related I'm trying to like remember back when I was 19 like the kind of things that I would say and like what I was going through with school and family and everything and like it's so hard to tell if that was just innocent or if it was a, a clue of something else but it's it's so hard to know right I mean yeah I mean like you said go back to when you were 19 how did you know what you wanted to do for a living no you know, you're living paycheck to paycheck and trying to figure out life. And he had left college. So, I mean, I think he's just like lots of people at that age, just trying to figure things out. And he had a little bit more, um, his cards were dealt a little differently growing up. It's been reported that Logan was maybe more withdrawn than usual before he went missing, before he had his epiphany, which was either about family or religion or just life in general. As far as I know, that's really the only sort of evidence that Logan was maybe suffering from mental illness or distress. I mean, that could be anything. Depression, anxiety, who knows. But so far, that's the angle the police seem to have taken. So you mentioned um, the suicide theory. Do police still think that Logan left on his own? Is that, I, I think that's on like the Charlie Project page that they don't suspect foul play. Yeah, they, they definitely still think that there's a possibility um, that he chose to leave on his own. The case doesn't need to continue to search for somebody who's chosen to leave, obviously. But with Logan's case, I don't think that that's the case. I don't think he chose to leave. But detectives do, Detective Frawley does still think that there's a strong possibility that he chose to leave. And that's, there's not a crime with that. You know, and there's no crime in choosing to want to leave and start a new life. Um, but we've made it very we'll we'll be making it very clear to Logan if he is out there that you know all you got to do is call say I'm alive proof no questions asked he'll close the case and that's his way of letting everybody know he's alive but leave him alone I'm not an expert in this case I haven't seen all the files and documents that James has but I agree with him I don't think Logan left on his own if that was his plan why not take your wallet or your cell phone or your car to get to wherever it is that you're going? To me, that just doesn't make sense. Earlier this year, in 2021, remains were found by timber workers in Winlock, Washington. Some reports indicated that the remains were male, but that has not been confirmed. I'm not even sure if they could confirm that this early on, unless there was other evidence to suggest that that was found with the remains. People were quick to think of Logan when this news broke because of the location of where the remains were found and where his car had been found. But some people think they could also belong to Nancy Moyer. Truly, we won't have any answers to the ID of who was found for weeks, if not months. But if those remains do end up belonging to Logan or Nancy, I will, of course, post an update. If you or anyone you know has any information about Logan's whereabouts, please contact the Thurston County Sheriff's Office at 360-786-5500. Or if you're not comfortable reaching out to the police, you can always talk to James. Again, his podcast is called Hide and Seek, and you can follow his investigation wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Washed Away is a Cosmic Bigfoot production. You can find my show notes, including photos, links, and sources at washedawaypodcast.com. Follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at washedawaypod and send case suggestions to washedawaypodcasts at gmail.com. I want to say thanks to Gabby from Ghoulish Tendencies for editing and research help on this episode. If you'd like to support Washed Away, you can now buy me a coffee through a link that I'll post in the show notes. It's also in my bio on social media. Or you could simply subscribe or follow the show wherever you listen. That really helps. Um, And if that happens to be on Apple, please leave a five-star rating or review. Thank you for your patience between episodes, by the way. Washed Away is my passion project. I don't run ads or anything, so I don't make money from this podcast. My goal is simply just to try and help solve some cold cases in the state that I call home. And I put out new episodes whenever I have time. If you made it all the way to the end, just know that I appreciate you so much. I'm Ashley Smith, and I'll talk to you again very soon. For the ones who get it done, the most important part is the one you need now. And the best partner is the one who can deliver. That's why millions of maintenance and repair pros trust Granger, Because we have professional-grade supplies for every industry, even hard-to-find products. And we have same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders. But most importantly, we have an unwavering commitment to help keep you up and running. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.